And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee. Psalms 63, 1 to 7. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek him. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh mm, longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. To see thy power and thy glory. So I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips, sherry lips, will praise thee. Thus, sometimes you have to make it personal. Cheryl will bless thee while I live. Cheryl will lift up my hands in thy name. Cheryl's soul shall satisfy thee with marrow and fatness. And Cheryl's mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Ah, when Cheryl remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches because you have been Cheryl help therefore in the shadow of thy wings Cheryl will rejoice thank God for his word and for the people of God you may have your seat if you can thank you Jesus I want to acknowledge Apostle Emmanuel, and he's, he's here, he stepped out, but I want to recognize him. This is a Psalms written from a young man who have traced his steps from obscurity to public popularity. From the field of his father Jesse to the pinnacle of the throne in the holy city of Jerusalem. He's, now, he's one now looking at the refuge mirror, tracing his steps. But where he finds his steps lead him now is in the wilderness land. Because his son, the one that mirrors his image, has run him out of town. Mm. Distanced him from his friends. Separated him from his occupation and vocation. Has dished him away from the throne. Moved him away from his bank account, from his cell phone can reach to his credit card and can call for no help can call for no favors and he literally finds himself in a desert or in the wilderness saints ladies and gentlemen this is the situation that you and I have read about this morning it didn't know any better or any junctions of your life you would have thought that I was reading pages from your own autobiography. And maybe this morning, someone is saying that this is not my experience. Yet my response to you is keep on living. Everyone in life will have a wilderness experience. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're pretty, if you're ugly, if you're old or if you're long. Nobody gets through life without going through some dry, desiccated desert, 
dark, the damnable experience. And when you're in it, uh -huh. mm, you start reaching and trying everything. And some of you today, you have come to a place where you have tried everything. I want to encourage you to trust God in times of discomfort. My glasses in my bag. Look, for me, look with me for a few minutes at Psalms 63. How many of you know that sometimes I got to have some extra glasses? Extra length. That's double. All right. Okay. We have read our text in Psalm 63. And we'll discover some hintful hints that David gives us in his wilderness experience. In verse 1, David says to us, this is what I did while I was going through the wilderness. I had a passion for God and God alone. Listen to the language that he uses in verse 1. He said, Oh God, thou art my God. It sounded like he was going to give us a lecture in theology, but he changed it when he said, My God. He moved from the theological to the testimonial. He said, this is not a lecture. This is a lifestyle. I'm not going to give you concepts about God and pro propositions. I want to tell you something personal that I, David, knew. That this is something I did not learn from school. Neither from any books. This is something I knew from an encounter which I have with God. I know him personal. He is my God. You, God, are my God. And the words here, God is Elohim. He refers to God in Elohim, which is one of God's name. And so he said, it, so this name is used in Genesis 1-1 when it says, in the beginning, God created the earth. In fact, the word Elohim appeared 2,750 times in the Old Testament. It means supreme, mighty one. David knew all of his experiences with God was not about him. But, and he was not the source, but Christ was. He speaks of this God, the creator God, Elohim, his God. And this is the foundation, he said, of his footing. This is the chain that pulls his anchor of his life. This is the one that has kept him through the instability of his living. And he said, because of that, he is my God. Notice what he did not say. He did not pray like how I would pray and say, God, you got to get me back on the throne. Mm. You got to give me my wallet. Mm. If I had been separated, distanced, desolated, and dethroned, I would probably have said, God, I need my throne. You got to put me back at the pinnacle. 
You got to put me back in the center of the world. You got to get me back my popularity. But David had enough experience with God that he had learned to trust God and that God was his only source. And notice how he seeks God. He seeks after God. Early. Early. The word phrase early will I see comes from the Hebrew word shamar. S-H-A-M-A-R. I think I'm pronouncing it wrong. I pray because you know I'm English. And these Hebrew words mean dawn. The word used here has reference to an early morning sound. David often talk about in his Psalms, if you read the Psalms, how eagerly he is to seek God. Early rising. And saints, let me tell you something. There is something when you get up early. There is something when you get up in the morning to seek God's face. There is something when you make God your priority. There is something when you can shut the world up and you can say, God, I need you. It's only you and me. Not only did he seek God early, but he seek God with a first, a passion. He said, my soul thirsteth for thee. He said, I thirst with the deepest longing to love you more, my God. The desire of my soul after thee is so intense and voracious that my very body feels the effect of it. My God. How many of you can say that we feel that passion for God? We feel it if another human being, but some of us cannot feel that passion for God. David always had a longing to have more of God. And all through the book of Psalms, he expressed his first for the Lord. My prayer for us today is that we have a passion like no other for God. In Psalms 42, 1, David wrote, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O Lord. That, that is serious. It's a longing that he has never had for anything or for anybody. But he had that passion for God. In Psalms 84, 2, he said, My soul longeth yet even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Oh, my God. I want to experience that intimacy that David felt. Oh God, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Oh my God, is your prayer today, God? Fill me up, God. Lord God, I just want more of you. And David said, In my seeking God, my flesh long for thee. Oh my God. He said, My body yearns for you. Oh my God. Is there someone here today that have felt it when you just yearn for someone? But that yearning, I want it for God. God, I yearn for you. My soul, my body, my flesh yearns for you. 
David said, the only way I can get gratification is by seeking God. I, I did not get gratification from being on the throne. I did not get gratification from being popular. I did not get gratification by being a leader. I get gratification when I'm in your presence. He said, my flesh longs for you is the image of a body and soul to love God with your heart, your mind, your body, your soul and strength. Oh my God. When you can't stop being in his presence, but all you want to do is just praise him. Praise him with that emotion and an attitude of gratitude. He says, that's how I seek after you with a totality. Not partially, with a totality. When parents take their children to the games, they scream with so, in, so much intensity that sometimes they find themselves on the field running up and down. That's what Dean was, Minister Dean was Emmanuel's coach in soccer. And that's what I used to do while our team was playing. I was running up and down like some crazy mama. I was so excited of our team, Minister Dean, team, he coached Emmanuel, winning. Could you imagine what more could happen to you and I with such a sense of intensity if we would just come to God with one thing on our mind, like walking through those doors with just God on our mind. Oh my God. David said, I sought God with a totality. And he did it with his body and with his soul. And that's how he sought after God. And we should sought after him. I, have, I heard the Jews, when they worship God at the wailing wall, it was a fascinating sight. It's just what they say, a wailing wall. They pray with such intensity that it spills over in the totality of their being. They stand at the wall, that's those Jews, and they roll up their prayers and they place it in the cracks and crevices of the wall. Then they read the Psalms and then they pray their prayers. And then they rock back and forth. The Jews back and forth. They took take the scripture literally. And when they pray, they do not sit down like some of us do. Where we feel disconnected. They believe the one in whom they pray is real and personal and viable and that they throw all their weight into prayer because they know that God can do it for them. Mm. And they mean business. We ought to seek God with just with an intensity but with a totality. We ought to worship him with our hearts, 
our mind. It's like our whole body. I want to love God more than I love my own husband. I cannot even, oh God. I want to have that passion for him. David said to us, I not only see God early and with a passion, but when I'm seeking God, I see God with a first. And listen what David said also. He see God in a dry and thirsty land with no water. I go. Although David was in the wilderness where the area was dry, hot, and perhaps he wanted to faint because he had no food and water. He first with the deepest longing to love God more with a craving in his heart that can't be described. Can you imagine if we are in the wilderness or if we were in the wilderness, would we praise God? Would we thank him in spite of? My God. He said, even if I'm in the wilderness, I'm yearning for you. He said, I seek you. I want to seek you with an intensity. But he also seeks God with a totality. And then he ends with a necessity. Can I say this? Some of us don't pray like we used to. We don't read our Bibles like we used to. Let's be honest. That's a self-evaluation. We don't have the passion in praising God like we used to. There is not no urgency. There is no, no intensity in your praise. We just show up looking defeated, broke down and disgusted. There is no spark. And I'm talking to me. There is no spark when we praise God. It's like a routine. We come to church and our minds are on our jobs. We come to church and our concentration is on our money. The Lord said you need to get back. We need to get back in position. We need to get back in our praise and worship posture. That when we praise him, it's only him and him only. You know, in church sometimes, if you're not careful, people will do just like the Orientals. You know what the Orientals do when they come at someone's house? They take their shoes off and they just walk in. That's how some of us come when we come to church. We take our minds off God. Not knowing what we come in the house of God to do. We bring our burdens. We bring our issues. That's where you're supposed to bring it. But when you bring it, you drop it. Because you know that there's a higher power that you can lean on. And some of us blame the choir. We blame the pastor. We make excuses for our behavior why we are not grounded in the faith. We have to be accountable for our own spiritual growth. So then we blame the church. We blame the brothers. We blame the sisters. We blame the first lady. We blame the cousins. 
and we fail to take responsibility of where we are and our growth. But David gave us the reason in verse 2 why he's seeking God and why we should seek God. He said, I'm seeking to see thy power and thy glory. So I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Remember where David is praying. David is not praying in the palace. David is not praying on the couch. David is not praying in the church. David is not in the confinement of a religious community. David has intentionally been dethroned and alienated. He has been ostracized. He's lonely. Can you imagine that? He's in a desert place. There is not a tree to give him shade. There is not a rock for him to cleave beneath and get into. And there is no water stream. That's the image that he's painting. He said, this is a dead, dry place. But I am going to thank you, God. He said, oh, God, personal. He said, the reason I praise God was to see thy power and thy glory. So I have seen thee in the sanctuary. When David talked about the sanctuary, he was talking about the Ark of the Covenant and what he had seen in Jerusalem. The Ark was worshipped by the Israelites as Christ himself. The Ark of the Covenant was the physical manifestation of God's presence and supreme power. He remembered what it felt like the presence of God. And this morning, I really want to compliment the moms and dads for bringing your children to church this morning. It doesn't matter whether or not they sleep in the church. It doesn't matter if they get busy. I want to thank you for that because you didn't know what God could be doing in the children's life. I want to thank you because God is working on them. You don't know what grace is sprinkling over them in the church. You just don't know. Verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary. Now, how did David do that? He had never seen God with his naked eyes. No man has seen God with his naked eyes. But he had written so much, so much experience he had with God that he had written about it and he had prayed. In fact, he would lift up throughout the Psalms and talk about God's holiness and how good God is and how great God is. But David had some sensory recollection that he had talked away for much of his life. And if some of you sit down with me, you all perhaps would have talked to me and I would have talked to you all about some of the experiences that I had, that I had in church. Pastor always talk about those. I have my own sanctuary memories as well. <laughs> 
going to church at six years old, praying with the mothers at the church. Uh huh. I was talking, but they had me right underneath their dress. I mean, some, I mean, it was right underneath. And they had me there praying. In the early morning, I was six years old. My mom wasn't a Christian, but she allowed us, and I thank God for her, to go to church. And the ladies in the village used to knock on the door and get me, a six-year-old, to come pray. So I have some sanctuary memories. I love going to church. I love fellowshipping with God's people. I don't have to go to the club to get any kind of a comic. Because in church, I have all that. It's one thing for my brothers and sisters that sometimes I can remember what they said. And, and, and sometimes something Pastor E said, Elder Brenda, Mr. Dean, somebody said something. I just have my own recollection of memories in the church. There is always something laughable. That we can recall in church. Some of us focus so much on the negative. We fail to see the positive that's happening in the church. The stories and the testimonies. That we have heard in the church. Boost us up in the spirit sometimes. To know that if God did it for Elder Bellows. He can do it for Cheryl. And there's something about the hymns you know. We're not singing hymns here. But there's something about the hymns that my grandma used to sing. And, and sometimes it's just a mourning that I didn't understand. There is something that I got from coming to church. Something. And there's, that's a good way that we can remember some of the things that can bring us from the day to day. And so David is saying, I have some sanctuary memories. And parents, let me just stop there and tell you, stop telling your children, do not imitate Apostle Emmanuel. <laughs> Let them do that. Because you know what's happening? It's in the psychic of the memories in the church, right? Something that he must said is in the psychic. So let them imitate Apostle Emmanuel. Let them imitate the way I speak, I dance, I sing. It's okay. No offense are taken. Some of us need to have some sanctuary memories. So in verse 3, David is going to tell us why he was so motivated to pursue God. He said, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. This is the reason why David was so motivated to pursue God. He said, the loving kindness of God was better, more meaningful to David than life itself. He knew about the experience because of God's loving kindness. That many believers today, we can recall God's loving kindness towards us. He said, in spite of what I'm going through. In spite of my situation, in spite of they push me out of my throne, I'm going to praise God. He said, I will open my mouth. I will not give the enemy no service. I will open my mouth and glorify God because he has been too good to me. I'm not concerned about the wilderness. I'm not concerned about my issues. I 
will glorify God. And then he continues in verses 4 to 5. He, he says, he said, though I will bless thee while I live, I will lift my hands in thy name. He said, I will bless you with every breath of my life. I will lift up my hands in praise to your name. He said, my soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. David said, even if my flesh is craving for food, even if I am thirsty, my mouth is wide, my breath is stinking, I'm going to praise you. Remember where David was in the wilderness. He said, I'm just so excited to praise you. And I have the joy on my lips that I will offer praise. And verse 6 is what really touched my heart. He said, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Remember means to recall or bring to memory. It is to reflect. It is to rephrase. So remember David don't have a bed. He's in the wilderness. But he had enough sanctuary memories to turn the desert into a praise, into his own church. David said, I'm going to show us how to praise God. Since we need to stop waiting on the musicians, the guitar and the, the piano and the drums to praise God. You got to do church without the music. You got to know when you're broken, how to praise God. You want to know when you are disgusted, how to praise God. You want to know when the church, when the church turned their backs on you, how to praise God. Just get in your car and start thinking about his goodness. Think about what God has done for you. Not your mama, not your daddy or your children, but just you. What the Lord has done for you. You can say, Pastor Cheryl, I don't have any spiritual encounters. I don't know how to remember God. I'll give you one thing. Did he wake you up this morning? That's something to praise God. Did he start you on your day? That's something to praise God. And so David said, if I'm going through some family chaos, I'm not going to dwell on my circumstances. He said, even if my son tried to kill me, tried to take my throne, I'm still going to give you praise. He said, I'm going to remember how good my God has been to me. He said, I had so much great memories of God that I cannot turn my back on him. David remembered how God gave him boldness and strength to confront Goliath. With just, as a little boy, with just five stones and a sling. He remembered when the Lord had given him victory over a lion and a bear. He remembered how he defeated the Philistines and subdued them. He remembered how he fought 66 battles and he did not lose. He remembered the Lord gave him victory 
over everything. Now, church, I want to tell you, had it not been for the Lord on your side, where would you be? Some of us need to remember the goodness of God. How many of us can be honest and say that we remember God during our turbulence times and when we are going through our valley experiences? Some of us maybe crawl up in the bed, getting depressed, feeling sorry for ourselves, comparing ourselves to others. Some of us get so depressed until when we have to get double pills. When we do not understand the Bible, it's triple pills. But like David, we got to remember to trust and remember God's faithfulness. God has been too good. Oh my God. God has been too good. Let me just say to Cheryl. I remember how God saved me from two accidents in Atlanta. Back to back. I remember when I've almost lost Emmanuel, but he pulled him through. I remembered when I lost my job, but God was a supplier. I remember when I almost lost my mind, but he kept me with a sound mind. Is there anybody here that I can say, if it had not been for God, you would not have been here? Do you see what David is saying? He says, I'm in the wilderness. There's chaos all around me. I'm separated from the sanctuary, from the holy city of Jerusalem. My counselor has betrayed me. My son, who is the mirror of my reflection, has pushed me away. I'm isolated. I'm disconnected. But he does not pray anything other than God. You are my God. He remembers God through worshipfulness. On one hand, wakefulness. And on the other hand, worshipfulness. Mm. In Psalm 61, David has said something which I like. Psalm 61, 1 and 3. He said, hear my cry. If you read the book of Psalms, everything that David does or he encounters, he pulls back and he reflects on God. He said in Psalm 61, 1 to 3, he said, Hear my cry, O Lord. Attend, take heed unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower. My God. David praised God when he went to bed and meditated on him in the night watches. It was like a 24 hour stuff. I was telling pastor, how does somebody do that? If he can do it, I can do it. How much better we could sleep at night if we thought of his goodness as we fall asleep. Some of us need to turn off that TV. Some of us need to turn off that television when you're going to bed. No television can give you sound sleep but the Lord. 
Sweet sleep, he says. The Bible says in Psalms 10.4, it's te Psalms 10.4, he said it's wicked not to have God in our thoughts. I didn't say that. That's the Lord. He said Psalms 10.4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after me. That's pride. God is not in all his thoughts. He said it's wicked. But it is godly to keep your mind stayed on him. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusteth in me. Even when we go to bed or during the night, we have to keep our minds on. And let me tell you, saints, there's a lot of things that's going on. There's a lot of things that we as human beings are concerned of. We cannot, I always tell Apostle Emmanuel, is there something that we can do about it with our own strength? Or is it something that we're going to give to God and let him champion it at the house? Yes. What can we do? Amen. I cannot do anything without God. I cannot make a decision without God. I cannot do it. I cannot rely on God to pay my bills. On, on a man to pay my bills. I have to rely on God to pay my bills. Listen to what he said in verse 7 and 8. He said, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. David was confident in the fact that God has always and always been constant in his life. Everybody can forsake you, but the one person that's constant, if you're true to yourself, is God. Psalm 61.3 said, he has been his refuge and strength. And although David was in a hard place, like some of us are in a hard place, we should still be able to rejoice and praise God because his tender mercies towards us. Mm. It's more to us, at least to me, than life. <sighs> My God. Have you ever wanted to break up with God? Have you ever thought of that? Like some people want to break up with God? Have you ever asked God, what have you done for me lately, like Janet Jackson? Well, I have been in some places in my younger Christian, when I've asked God that question, where are you, God? When I feel that my situation is more than I can handle, and the more I push, the more something pushing against me. But I can take David for an example and say that God is working behind the scenes. David was homeless, no roof over his head thirsty cold in the wilderness and yet still he refused to break up with God he refused to ask God the question what have you done for me lately he made that statement in verse 7 because you have been my help can you think of the help that God has where he has been for you what he has pulled you from Mm. I still believe in you. That's what David's saying. I still trust you. 
I still have faith in God, even when the worst happens, even when there's no money, mm, no husband, the bills are accumulating. The dream that I aspire is not coming to pass, or there's a lack thereof. I have no children. Will you be able to trust God in the midst of the chaos? When the boss says, I'm about to let you go, when you come out of work stress, can you trust God? When you're feeling sick, can you trust God? Since that's what we must learn in life, if we are going to make it in this world to trust God, how do you get from where you are with an intentional faith? How do you get to places regardless of what happens and you still trust God in the middle even when you think that you're sinking but you have one hand up and God is pulling you slowly up. Trust God. And so you know, you know somebody David reminded me of is Job who trusted God regardless of the obstacle. Job lost all his possessions and you have heard that story thousand times and he made a statement in Job 13 and 15 he says though he slay me who can say that who can say though I'm crucified though I walk through the valley though I'm in a moment where I think I'm losing my mind but Job said though he slays me yet I will trust my God. I will trust him. And so David declares in Psalms 119, 11, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. There ought to be some scriptures in your heart that we can draw from when we are going through some chaos situation. Since we need more than Jesus wept. When we find that all hell is broken loose in your lives, we got to pull on all things, work together for those who love the Lord. When we think that God is moving behind our schedule, we got to remind ourselves on, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faith. My God, when your co-workers has gotten on your last good nerve. Good nerve. You got to remember Psalms 27 what? 1. Fret not thyself of evildoers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And it's something when God cut down those trees. Since there are some scriptures that we need to keep in our hearts. There got to be some substance inside of us that when something blows, we are able to pull it out from our pocket. We're not tossed here and there 
undecided what to say. Doubt God. We need to be rooted, anchored in God. Here is David, distanced from his friends. Mm-mm-mm. Oh God, away from his occupation and vocation. Abandoned from his friends. No bank account. No credit card. No friends to call any favors. No food. And yet still, in the midst of his issue, he exalts Elohim. Praise and worship. And he remembers how good God is to him. Does David did not care about the situation? He says, even if the worst happens, I have confidence in God. David had confidence in God because he starts looking at the nature of God. Regardless of what God does, I trust him for who he is. Because real faith sense is not rooted in what you expect God to do for you on your schedule. Real faith is rooted in you knowing who God is. And regardless of what you go through, you trust and believe that he's the same God that you know him to be. That's real faith. So it does not matter what the diagnostic it doesn't matter if they lay you out. It doesn't matter if the bosses say that it's time to go. It doesn't matter if things at the house is not working out. It doesn't matter if the election results is not going the way we plan. I trust and believe no matter what I go through, God is still real. And nobody can tell me otherwise. Many people give up on God because their faith was not in God. Their faith was in what you thought or wanted God to do for you. I'm going to say that again. Many people give up on God because their faith was not in God. Their faith was in what you thought or wanted God to do for you. Like he's working on your schedule. So as David is going through his trying times, I'm sure that the devil bombarded him with all kinds of thoughts. Because he was a man. He must have told him that God didn't love him. Look at where you are in that desert situation. Couldn't your God rescue you? Couldn't your God heal you? Couldn't your God put a hedge of protection around you? I'm sure... That he must have thought that in his mind. We human beings think all everything when we are hit with the issues of life. The moment you lose your job, he bombards your mind with feeling of hopelessness. And you start doubting God. You start going the opposite way. You stop reading your Bible. You stop praying. You stop surrounding yourself with good women and men of God. And you believe what the enemy says in your mind. Certain tactics is to let us see if your faith in God 
is going to remain. Isn't that what he did for Job, y'all? He said to test my servant, Job. David teaches us that ever, every now and then, we got to remind ourselves that our faith and trust is not in the outcome, but our faith is in the God that we know that we serve. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can remember how many mistakes we have made and God was still good to you. Oh my God. The amount of mistakes that I've made in my life and yet still, God was still good to Cheryl. You ought to be shouting right now. God has been better to you than you've been to yourself. God is better to me than I deserve. Is there anybody here that can say, I have not always been holy? Oh, uh, I've not always been holy. I've not always been righteous. But God has always been good to me. When I didn't deserve it, he was good to me. When I felt low and embarrassed, he was good to me. When I disobeyed him, he was good to me. And I thank him for his grace and his mercy. My faith is not in what he does. My faith is in he is in is who I know him to be. Can somebody declare that the only person and the only reason that you're here right now is because of God? It's because of the hedge of protection that he's been protecting you from. When I didn't feel blessed, I was still protected. When he said no, he still protected me. When my heart was broken, the hedge of protection was still there. When I felt sick in my body, the hedge was still there. You know, back in the days when the shepherds, they wanted to protect the sheep, what they did is they put some thorns around like a fence area and it protected the sheep for, from, for, from two things. Number one, from predators. And the others from the sheep wandering away. Can you just say thank you God for my protection? Thank you God for that hedge. Then I thought that it was bad, but thank you God. Thank you God for pulling me out. Thank you God. How do you identify how to trust God? How can you identify to yourself how to trust God? Just trust him. Trust God. There's not a formula. You have seen his grace and mercy. You have seen how he's protected you. Just trust him. You trust that that seat that you're sitting right now is not going to fall. You trust him. There's not a formula to that. It's because they have made it specifically for that. You think of your creator, how he's protecting you. Since I can just get happy all by myself like David. I don't need anybody else, but I get crazy when I praise God. 
You see, when I think of God, sometimes Pastor Emmanuel knows the things that I've been through. And sometimes when I do my crazy praise, he looks at me, I look at him. Some of you cannot handle my testimony. You see, not everything you have to say because you will not appreciate what I'm appreciating. But I thank God in the wilderness experience, he has always and still is there. So I'm not going to look disgruntled, upset. I'm acting as if like five people is going to kill me. I'm just thankful for his grace. Somebody declare, I trust God. I trust God. Thank you, Lord. Can you just stand? That's all I have today. As I close, I want you to ask yourself, do you trust God? Do you really, are you confident to the one that made heaven and earth? Do you trust him in the wilderness experiences? Do you trust him? Do you trust him when you are sick? Do you trust him when your friends are fake and your enemies is real? Do you trust him? Do you trust him when your family has abandoned you? And there's no one to talk to. Do you trust him? Do you trust him when your grades are bad? And they said that they're going to kick you out of the university. Can you trust him? Do I trust God in my situation? If we just raise our hand and say, God, I trust you. Please take time to meditate on the word and let it sink into your heart and soul and mind today. Knowing that the Christian who meditates on the word will be like a tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit in its season and prospering in all that he does. But what if you aren't a Christian today? What if you don't know if you're bound for heaven as a forgiven child of God? If that's you, then let's take care of it right now if you're ready. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you ready to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean and made new? Are you ready to begin your new life in Christ? Then turn to God right now and say, Lord, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sins. Lord, please forgive me and wash me clean. I receive your forgiveness right now as I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. God, please lead me and teach me and show me how to live from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you're looking for a good church family, you'll be welcomed with open arms at Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee, located at 4750 Capital Circle Southeast near Tram Road. Sunday school begins for all ages at 10 a.m. and the morning service begins at 11. And the Wednesday evening service begins at 7. This is a life-giving, multicultural, multi-generational church where people of all races, backgrounds, and walks of life come together to worship, to be inspired in their love for God, to develop relationships, and to be empowered to live out God's purpose for their lives. Find more information on their website, imitatorsofgodministries.com, or call the church, 850-408-8496.